National Talkie League. Rumble, young man, rumble. This is the National Talkie League. I'm Roger. That is Dave. It is uh, officially now the dog days of summer, you see. We are into August as we are recording this particular episode. And um, it is hotter than balls outside. So if you if you note some sort of... Uh, sluggishness or some sort of uh, latent dialogue. Latent, Dave? I, you know what? I don't. I can't even finish this thought. It's so damn hot. How about a theme song, buddy? National Talkie League. It's hot as balls out. National Talkie League. Time for some shout out. National Talkie League. Let us not pout. Out. Huh. Yes. Love it. Um, I always want to get into the conversation with somebody. This actually happened when I worked at, at QR. I did a talk show and somebody, I, I used the word pussy on the radio. You shouldn't do that. But I was saying like, that guy's a pussy, right? I was, was calling out somebody for being a pussy. And I can't believe I got trouble for it because I was calling out like a progressive. So I really thought that the old conservative audience of, of News Talk 770 would have been like, you know, yes, Roger is our champion for calling some progressive a pussy. But some woman took me to task for using like a derogatory, a comment that's derogatory against women. Mm-hmm. Right. And so Rather than like I employed Dana Gold strategy, Dave, where I just basically what can I do to end this conversation quickly so I can move on to eat some ice cream? That's that's how I handled this conversation. But um, I want to know how many of those women who think it's sexist and, and demeaning to women to refer to somebody as a pussy would still refer to somebody who's being kind of a jerk as a dick or a prick. Absolutely correct, Roger. I was thinking that while you were saying it, in fact. It's so obvious, right? The only grief I ever get from my wife when I use that term mm-hmm. is that uh, she always uh, often tells me about the resilience and the strength of the pussy and how it shouldn't be used for someone who's being weak. Yeah. It's Betty White's joke, right? What does she say? Uh, uh, pussy can can take a beating. And I can't remember what she... Anyway, I, the reason I'm told we're talking about this is because I said it's hot as balls. <laughs> and I sort of wonder if that doesn't just paint testicles in a negative light. Yeah, we should really we should well, celebrate testes a lot more. To be fair, you're just saying it's as hot as them, and and testes do get quite warm, right? They're one of the warmest areas of the body, and because of their positioning, they're in a quite warm area. So I don't have any issue with someone saying it's hot as balls out. But aren't they outside of the body for the exact reason that they have to be kept a little bit cooler than body temperature? That's a that's a great point, Roger. That is a great point. So if you're saying it's hot as balls outside, it's hotter than balls. You're basically saying, so body temperature? It's body temperature. (laughs) Yeah. So tits then. It's hot as tits is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. What's the hottest part of your body, Roger? (laughs) Well, actually, everything from about the earlobes down, Dave. Your brain. That's (laughs) what I find the hottest, Roger. Yes. Everybody says so. Always. Uh, What's going on in the world, Dave Ware? Well, you know, there's lots of stuff happening and people being outraged about stuff and things. And, uh, you know, we should talk about some of that today. What do you want to start with? Well, let's uh, go right to our Facebook group, The Beleaguered Talkies, where uh, Eric chimed in to say that um, city council was discussing the idea of whether or not to ask the province to lower the voting age to 16. Now, I don't really understand why this 
topic of conversation has to come up, you know, at, at the governmental level uh, from time to time, uh, where we're going to kind of, you know, put another quarter in this jukebox and play the same song that we listened to a couple decades ago. But what is the problem with having the voting age at 18 that it needs to be changed to 16? And to put some context behind the question, there was once a problem that um, uh, only men could vote. And so the, the question was asked, well, what's the harm? The good old days, right, Roger? <laughs> yeah. oh, those, Am I right? Those were the governments, buddy. <laughs> no, but look, it seems that every time we want to change the requirement for, for voting, you basically have to say, well, what's the harm? And I think a pretty legitimate argument is half of the population doesn't have a say in a representation in government. So you can understand the kind of answer then that I'm fishing for here. So what's the harm in having the voting age set at 18? Uh, at 18? Or at 16? At 18. At 18. Because that's where it is right now. So what's the harm that we need to change it? Oh, I see what, I see what you're asking. So <laughs> is there something that needs to be corrected that we're somehow impinging upon 16 and 17-year-olds? <laughs> yeah, uh, this one's a tricky one because there's so many different ways to look at it. And there's so many different angles that you could take. So for me, it's like, well, what you know, what is – who has the right to vote is what it comes down to. Who should have the right to vote? You know, if you're in the Roman Empire, well, it's it's just the citizens. They see they had it right. They had people living in the country who weren't technically citizens. You had to earn your citizenship, right? Right. And therefore your right to vote. So in our country, apparently just reaching a certain age and being a citizen of our country is enough. Um so yeah, so what's the difference between a 17-year-old and an 18-year-old? Well, it's a year. Um that sounds like a little simple pat answer, but to me, it comes down to a wisdom thing, right? Okay. Uh, so, and people will say, well, 16 year olds today are smarter, more intelligent, have access to more information than a 30 year old did 20 years ago. Yeah. Okay. Sure. That's probably right. What they don't have is life experience. That's the wisdom of having lived through a few more years and having experienced more of the world. Uh, obviously there's going to be exceptions. You could say there's probably some 16 year olds out there that have been living on the streets for the last five years and probably have more, you know, life experience than, you know, some 60 year olds out there. Fair enough. But you got to draw a line somewhere. Uh, yeah, look, it has to be arbitrary. I think. I mean, like the listen. I appreciate everything you just said about wisdom, but there's going to be wiser 18 year olds in some cases than 20 year olds, right? They can both vote, so wisdom's not really a qualification. And I think the qualification has to be arbitrary. They just put it, has a, to be, put yeah. a yeah, put a put a pin on in the wall and say, look, it's 18. I mean, it doesn't matter really what number they pick. But what I'm saying is that we don't need to go changing it. Like we've got it at 18, and it's just fine. One of the arguments that always comes up is people that paid like you know, there's 16 year olds that work jobs and they pay taxes that's not arbitrary now so if you're if like you know let's let's kind of explore this a little bit if we're going to say the second you start to pay taxes you can have a, a say in the government you can go ahead and vote well i pay more taxes than some other person does does that mean i get more votes what about people well, who are older and don't pay taxes Exactly. Right. Like what if I am a net drain on society? I, I, I maybe I file a tax return, but I actually collect more in uh, in benefits than I do pay taxes. Then do I have to like 
do, do you ask me who I think should be the government? And then you, you subtract a vote in that case. I think Kenny should, minus one for Kenny. Roger says <laughs> Kenny. Right? Like, do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, for sure. Cause you're going to have, um, you're going to have a lot of people who are, are going to say that the whole taxation thing, but then it's your progressives that are pushing for a 16 year old vote, right? Cause they're going to gain far more from having 16 year olds vote than conservatives will. I would say on the whole, younger people tend to vote more liberally or more progressively or whatever we're going to call it these days, right? Sure. Would, you, yeah. would you say on the whole that's probably true? Yeah, I mean I've seen some polls that suggest that, absolutely. So they're the ones that are probably in favor of it. Yet if you said, oh, okay, well, let's just base it on taxes then. doesn't matter how old you are. If you pay taxes, you get to vote. And they would say, oh, you can't do that. How dare you? Now it's just the rich people that are going to get the vote. And what about the people who don't pay taxes, uh, you know? So again, you're right. It's it's arbitrary. The next thing they bring up is the fact that, well, what about those 85-year-olds who don't know what's going on in the world anymore? How come how come there's a minimum age but no maximum age? What's your feeling on a maximum age for voting? Well, again, I think I don't think that you can take um someone's dem- democratic, you know, franchise away from them while they're still alive. Um and then, you know, there's like there's a whole lot of of gray area here that I think needs to be discussed, too. Like, should the mentally incapacitated not be allowed to vote? Like, so think about this is like Ken Jennings, the Jeopardy champion versus uh, um, somebody uh, with Down syndrome, just as an example. Like, are these two people, should they not have the exact same democratic right in the, in the jurisdiction in which they live, provided they're both 18? I think they should. Yeah, I think you're right. And that's the problem with the whole, you know, oh, well, if you pass a test, you get to vote. Well, no, because yeah. now we have to talk about who's creating the test. Is the test skewed so that people who want to vote for the one side are more likely to pass? You know what I mean? There's all that yeah. discussion comes up. So, yeah, you're, I think you're 100% right. I think this well, is one of the things where you have to just go, I don't know, it's this. Yeah, and you, you have to set the bar at a point where, you know, there's a reason why you're setting it where you are. So 18, it's like we think that by age 18, when, you know, when we're done schooling you and now you have you can make your own choices about your future and you're no longer considered a ward of another person, um, then, yes, you can go ahead and participate in our democracy. And that's that's like a very low bar to get over. You just have to have enough birthdays. And then there's there's no qualifier beyond that. And it has to be that arbitrary. We've come from a place where we've found so many reasons to disqualify people. You used to have to own property in order to vote. And now we have a situation like um, Brian on in the beleaguered talkies group says, you know, there's a lot of variables. What about non-residents, a person who maybe lives in Cochrane, owns a business in Calgary? Should that person be allowed to vote in Calgary's elections and Cochrane's elections or some but not the other? Like there's really no perfect way to figure this out but i think that you've got to basically ask somebody like where do you call home here great here's your ballot these are the people that are running to influence the property that you've decided to you know fall asleep on on a nightly basis and beyond that you really don't need to be qualified well and the other the other argument you see pop up with this a lot is uh well there's 16 year olds that can serve in the military how can they be allowed to serve in the military and not be able to vote mm-hmm and that one's I kind of go, well, I don't know. Maybe we make an exception for those guys. If you're serving in the military, you should definitely get to vote. No, but why do the two – like what, what, what is it about the two that they should go hand in hand or that, they, that one should influence the other? You're absolutely right again there because, yeah. Yeah. And one has nothing to do with the other if you look at it from that aspect, right? Yeah. So like if I was a draft dodger, 
but I moved to Canada. You know, I, I escaped the draft and I now reside in Canada and have full citizenship because I actively tried not to participate in the military. I don't get to vote. <laughs> well, it's and it's the whole idea like, oh, well, so you can die for your country, but you can't vote. Yeah, that's that's actually right. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Until you turn 18. That is correct. Please try not to die for your country before then. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So then, well, you know, what about the poor sap who, who, uh, you know, for instance, will turn 18 next June. So and then joins the military, dies a year later without ever having gotten to participate in an election. Well, and that, that's one of the reasons that they're throwing up for this, this whole idea of um, the 16 year old vote is they say that, well, then by the time the next election comes around. At the earliest, you'll be, you know, say halfway through, you'll be 18. At the latest, you'll be 22. So you're more, you know, that's the idea is that from the time you become eligible to vote to that first election, for some people, it's a number of years before that happens. And so you'll be older and wiser when you go to vote. It sounds like bullshit to me. Uh, yes, I agree. It's a coincidence. Um, Riley on that Facebook, uh, on this thread, by the way, from from Eric, um, not necessarily a comment applicable to the question, should the voting age be lowered? But Riley said that, uh, quote, I feel like in politics with so much misinformation and Twitter fueled conspiracy theories, we should be encouraging more people to vote, not less. I think 16 is way too young, but 18 makes sense. The idea should be making politics more palatable for the general public and try to make sure actual facts become known by the general public. Um, so it's, it's, it's a little bit of a departure, but I think Riley's sort of lamenting this notion that, you know, the, the whole fake news and we've got so much torqued media now and stuff like that. We have an abundance of honest and very neutral, very, uh, um, I'll say limited bias media. Um, we, we probably have more of it than we've had, uh, you know, ever before in our history. Um, I think that what Riley is really pining for here is just an, a, just a, a sort of a gentleman's agreement in society that we'll call bullshit when we see it and that no one actually does that because we would rather feel comfortable as opposed to informed. Yeah, I don't see a lot uh, wrong there. And I mean, again, that's the idea that oh, um, if we give the vote to 16-year-olds, they'll get engaged. And, and some of the complaints that I saw when I was looking this up was like, oh, well, you know, uh, often if they don't get the vote until they're 18, they're not involved because it doesn't matter to them. It's not part of their thing. And so they lose their interest for for politics. And I'm like, that's that's kind of a bullshit argument too because – you know what? My interest for politics has actually grown the older I've gotten, but more because I'm getting more interested in, in what's going on around me. But also my interest in in politics heightens as you get closer to an election. And then right after the election, it's it's like sex, right? You get more and more interested. <laughs> and once you've had it, yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter for a little while. And then after that, you start to gradually become interested in it again, right? So yeah. to say that, well, you're less interested in politics, well, great. So am I right after the election because whatever for a while, right? And then as you get closer to another game, so to speak, it gets more interesting again. And that's, I think why, that's, an argument. that's why election and erection are rhyming words. Oh, oh interesting. Um, you no, know, but I mean, it's, it's so funny, I, you know. Talk to any high school kid, right, who's just discovering politics, and they're typically enamored with communism, right? Sure. Aren't they? Yep. Fairness. Yeah. Fairness. That's the big one. Yeah. We got to make the, the playing field level. Everything's got to be fair and all this blah, blah, blah. Um, 
And then you start to ask them the, the you know, the trap questions. Uh, okay, well, you got an A and your kid who sits beside you got a D. So should you both get B minuses? And then like, you know, they you embarrass them and they start to hate politics and think that old people really have a knack for harshing their mellow, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> But like the, 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 the natural state of things is that, um, you know, when you discover politics, you sort of see it as a way to, um, you know, make things fair for everybody around you, like you said. And then as you live in the world a little bit more and bad shit starts to happen to you, you realize that the point of government is to protect your interest. Right. To protect the individual's interest from other individuals, from the collective, um, from external forces to protect you. And so it just sort of becomes a, a question of, well, how do you interpret protecting your own interest? And that's why, you know, the values are such such touchstones. Right. So when when people don't get um uh, people aren't as interested in politics typically until the stakes start to get higher. And one of the biggest things that you can do is buy property and have a family. And then the stakes get really fucking high, really fucking fast. So you want to know why young people aren't engaged? It's because they they can't feel the, 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 the ill effects of government happening to them. That's why the only way that progressives court young votes is to say like, hey, don't you think that everybody should be accepted and belong? And they go, yeah, I do feel like everyone should be accepted and belong. And meanwhile, I'm over here going, no. <laughs> <laughs> and they're giving them beer and stuff too, bro. <laughs> Probably yeah, as much pabs. Well, and, and what you're just saying was reminding me of the whole uh, the whole Jordan Peterson argument. Not to open up that can of worms yet again, but the whole idea of equality of outcome versus equality of of access. I, I'm not sure if right. that's what they call it, but opportunity. Opportunity. Yeah, there you go. So you know, in the your your test example, right? Does everyone had a chance to study for the test in the same way? Is everyone given a book? Yes. Okay. Then there's no reasonable expectation that everyone should have to get the same outcome. But the idea that, yes, everyone gets the same grade regardless of how much they study, well, you know, I mean, that's – that's a that, yes, you're right. That's more of a progressive concept and thus a young person concept. I agree with that. Yeah. Did, how did the Peterson thing go, by the way, last Friday? Like I didn't, I didn't hear that there was any sort of kerfuffle about it. Roger, there was so much outrage. There was <laughs> so much hand-wringing that uh, he's actually booked another uh, appearance at uh, the uh, – Jack Singer or maybe the Jubilee. I think it's at the Jubilee yeah, in December. Yeah, it's because yeah. it's a bigger room. That's how uh, that's how outraged people were that they needed to make a bigger space so more people could see it next time. Well, look, if ever there was a home game for <laughs> a guy like Jordan Peterson, right? Here's the here's the venue for him. I, I think that all this stuff just kind of further goes to my my theory that the the next election is a slam dunk for the conservatives. I saw some poll where they're like over fifty percent in virtually every voting demographic that yep. that they've even got Edmonton locked up. And you know, I think it, I do think they've got it very much in cruise control. But the thing about about Peterson. To me and, and, you know, those who are outspoken against him, like I read that letter um, calling for his for Arts Commons to shut him down. Right. And say that they should cancel this and they should be ashamed of themselves for for harboring this hate speaker or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, the thing that pisses me off about these progressives is that they never will they offer to shoulder the consequence of that decision. Right. 
So like a really small example of this is it's like if, 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 you know, something bad happens in your community or you really want something to stop, you go actually, you know, take care of what it would take to put a stop to it. All of these people who wanted uh, Peterson to, to not, you know, speak, they wouldn't come forward with the money. And say like, hey, this is what the box office receipts would have been. Here's the cash to compensate Live Nation, to compensate the Jack Singer or Arts Commons, to compensate Mr. Peterson. Like we're willing to put up the million dollars that they would make that night just to shut him up so that he can't speak. That would be an like an appropriate response. Right. But instead, they don't. They're just like, hey, we want you to stop this thing that offends us. And we're not willing to to take the to take the necessary measures to see it happen. Well, and again, he's a fantastic example of that whole, uh, you know, social media outrage, because, you know, I go in and read all the threads when people are bitching about him or not bitching about him. And some people go in and defend him. And I will say to the credit of some of the the left leaning people who were commenting, they said, yeah, you know what? I disagree with this guy and I think he's full of shit. But having said that, he should be allowed to speak. Of course. That's exactly the right attitude to have, regardless of who we're talking about, I think. I mean, within reason, of course, right? Uh, there's probably mm. somebody out there that shouldn't be allowed to speak, and it's probably some guy who's breaking the law or that kind of thing, right? As long as you're, well, as long as you're within the, the rules that the, the nation okay. has set up, I guess. Yeah, oh, see, I now I'm backpedaling like a motherfucker. No, 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 no. I know what you're doing. No, because you're you're basically because you you have, you've made a statement that can apply to like hate speech, which is controversial, and then like actual like illegal stuff, like you know, yelling fire in a movie theater, right? So yeah, not anybody should be allowed to go yell fire in a movie theater, but should you be allowed to you know sell tickets and deny the Holocaust? Yeah, that's tricky. As well, long as so, I guess as long as it's legal, you should be able to whether well, you is, whether on a moral level. I should go watch you or not is a different question. But should you be able to? Sure. Yeah. Listen, no venue has to host you. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I, I think that like I stand by the statement that that free speech includes hate speech like it has to because you cannot have gray any gray area when you're talking about freedom of speech. You just simply can't. Well, because then it's easy for the government of the day to say, hey, those guys that are saying stuff that we don't agree with, that's hate speech. Can't say it anymore. Yeah. That's precisely it. As long as you give a government a loophole to act against you in that gray area, then you no longer have freedom of speech. The freedom of speech is an absolute concept. You can't just be free to say some things and not free to say other things. So, yeah. And, and I mean, by the way, there's no government involved here. This no. is just, yeah. This is so, I mean, free, does freedom of speech doctrine even apply here? I don't know. But yeah, I don't know why progressives who really should be the greatest champions of someone like Jordan Peterson coming and speaking are the most outspoken against him. Well, and all it does is kick up more people to investigate the guy, right? Because people right. go, why do people, so many people hate this guy? And then they look him up and they either go, yeah, no, they're right. Or they go, oh, nope, they're wrong. I like this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, what I see a lot of, uh, because I was in that exact uh, same boat, like about a month ago, one, uh, a friend of mine used to live here in town has moved off to Toronto was like, Oh, how dare they let this guy speak? No one should listen to this guy. He's terrible. And so I was like, well, I keep hearing this guy's name, but I know nothing about him. So, Hey, what well, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and do some research. I'm going to look it up rather than just comment on it without knowing anything. So I watched a few of his his interviews and uh, I listened to his uh, podcast he did with Joe Rogan not too long ago, which was like three hours long. And if you need an unedited version (laughs) of something, that's it. It's three hours long. They even talk about the concept of editing and how it, you know, changes everything. 
Um, and yeah, some of the stuff he says, I don't necessarily fully agree with. And some of it, I think he's right. Uh, a lot of the complaints about him are like, oh, the stuff he says is so basic that anybody could understand it. He's just the one that's saying it. And I think he even says that, like his 12 rules to live by. He's like, yeah, this is basic stuff. guys. I'm just <laughs> saying it again so that people get the hang of it. And that's what he was touring about this time. He wasn't coming here to talk about transgender rights or or Bill C-16. He was promoting a book. He's on a yeah. book tour. Yeah. People are saying, well, the, he should have to answer questions at the end or we should get equal time to speak. And I'm like, did you also write a book? <laughs> and even if you did, he doesn't owe you shit. You know what? Yeah. He's just promoting his book. If you don't want to buy his book, don't go. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's exactly it. This goes back to kind of the concept we were talking about with the debate and, uh, you know, should Derek Fildebrandt be allowed at a candidate's debate? It's like fair coverage doesn't necessarily mean equal coverage. So I mean, people confuse that a lot, but fair doesn't necessarily mean equal. And so, no, you, you have no right to you know, get to refute what he says on stage for your own hour and a half afterwards. Of course not. Don't be absurd. Uh, and every time I see people saying, oh, this stuff this guy says is ridiculous. Like it's unfounded. And I'm like, okay, do you have examples? I'm not saying you're wrong, but show me some examples rather than just make a blanket statement. Tell me yeah. some of the things this guy's saying that you think are so base level and so wrong. Can you give me a quote or two? And nine times out of 10, the quote is something else someone was saying. Oh, he said this once. Right. right. Well, that's not a quote, right? <laughs> that's paraphrasing. That is, <laughs> so. that is annoying because what you've just described there is you asking to engage in a conversation with somebody. Mm. I, I disagree with what Malcolm X said. Oh, like what? Well, you know, stuff. It's like, okay, I thought we were going to talk about this. Like, yeah, the reason I, you know, like, you know, I, I disagree with the Pope. Oh, what specifically? Well, you know, just like, you know, he's Popey. Like, come on, I thought we were going to talk about some <laughs> shit here. Like, let's get let's get down to it. Well, and they get onto the the C sixteen thing because that's the thing that kind of lit the fire, right? Mm -hmm. Where he was basically his his take on it, as as I understand it, because I'm also paraphrasing, of course, was that uh, he was concerned that. Bill six C sixteen would uh, enable the university he worked for to force him to use certain language when discussing people who were transgendered. Mm -hmm. He's also said, "Hey, if someone came up to me and said, "Could you please call me by this?' I'd be happy to do it." And that blows the minds of the people who were like, "Ah, oh, he's just a hater." But th it's a very fine point that he's arguing, and the point is, the government should should not be allowed to force me. To use certain language because that's the beginning of you know tyranny essentially, right? When the government yeah. tells you you can say this or you can say that, you can use this word but you can't use that word, that's the problem. And that's in a nutshell what he was about. And then of course the media got in and blew it up but the media can't sit there and talk to him for an hour. You only get a 30-second clip and what's more exciting, him talking about his point for 30 seconds or protesters getting in his face and yelling yeah. shit at him, right? And so that's – things blow up from there. So you can tell who's sort of who, – who's actually done the research and who's just babbling about something they saw on social media. Oh, that guy, you know. And, and to me, that's the whole thing. Like you don't have to like the guy. I'm not saying you should. But I'm saying if you're going to you know, have a, an opinion on the guy, then go and listen to what he had to say and then form your opinion. Don't just form your opinion based on what you read on Facebook. Yeah, I'm still waiting for the reasonable explanation of why he qualifies as hate speech or is analogous to Hitler. I believe that's what his lawsuit is about. Someone who said he's an analogous to Hitler. Yes, because he doesn't fall in line with the current 
you know, progressive thinking on transgender people, which is that they have to be held up on a pedestal and no right. one may say anything bad about them ever. But hang on, like he's got an actual lawsuit. Like he's he's filed a defamation complaint against someone who said he's analogous to Hitler. And I would just like that person to step up and he will. He'll have to and unless they settle out of court. But uh, and say, like, well, here's what I meant. <laughs> that's a pretty, like, difficult <laughs> uh, claim, I think, to like, that's a, that's a tough attribution, I think, to apply. Like, unless he's got like a short mustache. Oh, or, I, I, no, <laughs> I said Hilter. <laughs> oh no no stitler <laughs> um man oh man what's what what else has happened man you were you were regaling me with t- see i i try to save you from reddit but oh every time God, you mention man. reddit i say don't go there dave no i know roger why can't i stop it's you know what it is i like discussing things i like debate i like about i like sharing ideas with people and reddit's the worst place to do <laughs> yes it is so, okay. So today's thread, without outing outing my uh, my Reddit username, which is probably pretty obvious if you think about it for a second. But uh, so someone they were talking about Jason Kenney and uh, how he had come out and advised his nomination candidates to not go over the top attacking the NDP. Of course, if you're on Reddit at all, you know it's a very left leaning, and so of course, and most things you say that aren't, uh, you know. Uh, glowing about the NDP uh, are going to get downvoted to hell and back. Anything that sort of points out the positive aspects of the UCP, just downvoted immediately. So, uh, so someone mentions that a, uh, uh, a, a winning strategy for the UCP, I'm just going to read what they wrote here, uh, is to maintain its clear advantage in public opinion. Sit down and shut up. The last thing the UCP needs is a redo on lake of fire type rhetoric from its socially conservative wing. Okay. Sure. Someone replied to that, and we'll get to the, the part where I hop in here shortly. Uh, someone says, totally agree. Stop attacking each other and let us know precisely what your party proposes will make life better for Albertans. We know what the NDP is all about. Now we just have to wait for the UCP platform because there's a common thought that the UCP has no platform. Uh, and then the comment I replied to was, we'll never see a substantial platform. Then when we're all paying health premiums again, people will flip out. As though the idea that if people vote in the UCP, then healthcare premiums will be back on the board and that that would be a horrible thing. Okay. Right. Okay. So the comment I made, and again, I'm, I'm biased because I'm the one who made the comment, but the comment I said was, we're all paying health premiums through taxation. It's just this way. Some people pay way more than others, right? If just this way being not having to pay premiums, just having it through taxation, some people pay way more than it because some people pay way more taxes than others. So therefore their share of what goes into the healthcare payment is more. That's what I said. Uh, is it, do you have any issues with what I've said? Do you feel that I was incorrect in any way there? Uh, no, I could see how somebody might split a hair. I mean, there was a time in this province when we had a healthcare premium and we also paid taxes and, you know, some people pay more tax than others. And yes, there's transfers, there healthcare transfers from the federal government. Like I could just see how, how people could slice this differently. Mm-hmm. Sure. But no, I mean, I, I don't see, I, yeah, I, I, I would just look at what you said and gone. Yes, that's. Yeah, and yes. you go, yeah, whatever. And I didn't put the comment up there to be controversial or to go, ah, fuck you guys. Right. I literally right. didn't even offer an opinion on that comment. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't say, and that's good or that's bad. I literally just said, this is how it is. And this one dude just lost his shit. And I will read you a bit of what he said. Oh, his next comment was, was, uh, in, in capitals, R E E E. 
re <laughs> I, I don't know taxes pay for things nothing is free as though you know as though my opinion is that oh yeah whatever you know and so i said well what do you want about i'm simply saying that healthcare is never free people seem just to think it is and the lack of premiums means that it's a tax burden those who pay more taxes pay more in healthcare without and i even said without judgment this time uh, and then the guy says, that's exactly what I'm on about. Literally, nobody thinks that healthcare, roads or education are free. Everyone knows they're being paid. Uh, they're being paid for using tax revenues. Well, I would argue not everybody does or a lot of people don't think about it. And every time you or someone like you interjects in a conversation with a uh, but you see taxes pay for that. It's not actually free. You're finding the cross section of another Reddit called R. I am very smart where they point out how people are not very smart and weaponized autism. Uh, it shows that everyone else. It shows everyone else in the conversation that you're out of your depth. Is that wow. was that the take that you took from what I said, Roger? That I'm I, out of my depth and that I'm possibly autistic. Uh, I gotta say, I really like the term weaponized autism. I I, I want to learn more about how to use it properly. <laughs> uh, although I think you're the wrong person to ask, Dave. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but what you said's not controversial, like. I don't know if it bear, I, that might be a good response for something else. I do think there are a lot of people that think healthcare is free, by the way. Yeah. You know, but, including some of those 16 year olds who might, who, who some people want to get the vote to. And I mean, the, the conversation continues on and I, I start getting the impression again, it's my impression, but I start getting the impression that this guy's like, Oh, fuck you. You know, how dare you come in here and, and, and preach to other people about taxes. Oh, and make it sound like you pay more taxes than we do. And I'm like, again, I don't think I did that. And I, I tried to keep sort of saying, okay, well, you know, this is your interpretation of what I'm saying. This is, yeah. this is how you're interpreting it. Um, and so, you know, it gets down to the, you know, simply reminding that moving a payment into a tax stream doesn't mean it's uh, not still there. That's literally all I was saying. Any of the other bullshit you assign to it is of your own making, right? I made a simple observation. You couldn't wait to pounce on me, attack me, and call me autistic. Maybe go for a walk or something. You seem to have a massive chip right. on your shoulder. <laughs> now, see, I think this is what this, this kind of gets at, a, at the point that, that has occurred to me in this, you know, and maybe it's the moral of the story for this episode of the podcast. Who knows, Dave? We might even be able to put a nice little bow on this episode here. But, you know, we, we, can't, we can't progress as a society. And when I say progress, I mean like the, this, the, the word that conservatives that the right and left enjoy progress in terms of, you know, refining our natural resources so that we can all have a better quality of life progress and that we live longer, we eat healthier progress, like the actual meaning of the word progress. We can't progress as a society if we have to make ad hominem attacks and find fault with everybody's opinion just because we feel like we have a camp to defend. We mm. don't. We're all in the same camp. Like in this case, we're in the camp of Alberta. And so, you know, what's disheartening to me is when we dismiss what someone is about to say before they even say it, before we have an understanding of what they're about to say. Tommy Douglas's concept of universal healthcare is not one that I agree with wholeheartedly, but I will argue that I'm glad that I was born late enough into the experiment to see its merits. Okay. Like when, when Obamacare was coming around, I was, you know, I was kind of one of these people going, look, it's not the panacea that you're hoping it is. 
It's going to be very, very costly. It's going to affect a lot of people. There will be some definite positive gains, but look, there's going to be a lot of bad shit that comes along with making the adjustment from a free-for-all, not, excuse me, not a free-for-all, from a, you know, you find your own way versus, hey, the government is saying you guys have to get, you know, pay for your insurance, right? All I was basically, you know, thinking at the time was I would like to hear all of the arguments as though I were, you know, an American making a decision for myself. But instead in Canada, like the way that that, that kind of conversation goes, it's like, oh, so you would rather pregnant women get broke having babies. You're like, no, I wouldn't fucking rather that. Saying I want to hear the conversation. So to get my point, I, yeah. I kind of meandered a little bit there. Yeah, but. no, I do. Um, and it, it feels to me like we're getting more and more, or maybe it's always been this way, but it feels like, like the same way that we follow sports teams we get really excited about how our side is doing uh you know i'm guilty of it as much as the next guy i try not to be as much as the next guy though i mean that's part of what we do here on the podcast we try to look at things you know and try to get past the team aspect of things but we do it i'm sure um but i feel like that's a lot of it i suspect if you went and grabbed a couple of the the uh, ucp mlas and a couple of the uh, ndp mlas and asked them you know, how do you feel about this guy that you work with? He wouldn't be like, that guy is the absolute worst thing. How dare you? You know, he'd be like, hey, he's just, you know, he just disagrees with me about some stuff, but he's an okay guy, right? He, you know, we sit down and we have a beer every now and then and talk about things and he wants the government to pay for the beer and I want to pay for it myself or, you know, the other way, you know, you know what I mean? They'll, yeah, they'll have little chips and make it at each other. But I suspect that the, the tribalism is way bigger on the people that have less connection to it than the people who are actually in the middle of it yeah for sure yeah and going back to riley's point on the beleaguer talkies group you know it's they know that the tribalism that the nativism is the ticket to victory for a lot of politicians so they they say different things like you know it's you'll hear politicians speak very differently candidly than you will when they know that the microphone is on and that they're on the record that they need to tap into that that native that nativism and make sure that they are drawing a circle around their voter base, around their crowd. And, you know, like Trump has done it with tremendous success. I think we just saw Doug Ford do it to some extent in Ontario. And we're, we're seeing it in jurisdictions beyond North America, too. So the, the, the biggest problem I think that Riley has, you know, despite the fact, you know, or, uh, uh, beyond rather the, the misinformation that exists in spades on the Internet is the fact that people want it. And that it's a, it's a strategy now. It's a tactic and a strategy now that politicians use. And let's be fair, both sides use this thing. I mean, I know the conservatives oh, get hacked on a lot because Trump won and now Doug Ford. Oh, he's just a little Trump. And I guarantee you, I would bet good money next year that when Jason Kenney's name gets mentioned, oh, it's going to be all about Trump. Oh, he's just like Trump, right? Because yeah. it's, oh, an, easy, it's sure. an easy line for people to draw. So, of course, the problem being Doug Ford won, Trump won. So, so if you're, if you're, you know, and we've said this before, if your entire campaign is don't vote for that guy, you're going to lose. Right. We've seen it happen time and time again. You're going to lose. And, you know, Trudeau won too, right? Doing, doing the same thing, talking about how the middle class are getting left behind and every statistic said that they're not, but the truth didn't matter to people. They wanted to feel like they were in the middle class. 95% of Canadians believed that they were in the middle class. So it's like, you know, it's just he knew that he could tap into something that people do nothing about and was was, you know, blatantly fictitious. And look, it won. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Um, and we're going to see it win probably again next year. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, we are. Oh, ha, ha. 
Well, Dave, I take great pleasure in saying my clip is empty at the end of a wonderful podcast with you. And I'm glad you do that, Roger, because it tells me that it's time to wrap things up. Uh, <laughs> I'm not good with deadlines. I'm not good at uh, you know following the rules. So I like yeah, we've that been, you. We've been told, me. man. We we had we used to do this thing for 90 minutes to two hours, and we had people say, "I can't walk my dog for that long in the winter time." <laughs> so let's go. Let's keep this down to one dog walk, shall we? So, uh, as such, my clip empties around the 30 minute mark, and we tie this one off with a pretty little bow. And I like that. Uh, and again, just if you're a newer listener or if you're not up on what's happening, uh, we have a Facebook group for the National Talkie League, and we also have a closed group called the Beleaguered Talkies. Uh, it's not a private group. It's a closed group. It just means that you have to ask to be uh, approved to uh, be part of it. And we're happy to do that. We just do it that way so that we don't get every person on Facebook coming in and spouting junk at us. You want to come in and spout junk? Just ask first. We're okay with it otherwise. Uh, <laughs> and also if you're, you know, if you're following us uh, and if you're a uh, iTunes or a, a Google Play user or some other podcast that has some kind of rating thing, we would love it if you would go and throw us a bone and uh, and give us a nice five star rating. Even better is a review because like ratings are great, but tell us what you actually think. We always like that. So if you want to do that uh, through the apps, or if you want to do that on the Facebook group, or if you want to mail us at mail at nationaltalkyleague.com, we would love to hear from you. And thank you as always for listening. Until next time, uh, on behalf of Dave Ware, I'm Roger Kincaid. Have a great sports weekend.